Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. It's really my joy now to formally install Brady Bryce as the senior minister at First Christian Church. We're here in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church, to appoint Brady Bryce to the Christian ministry at First Christian, to which he has been called by God. Brady, God has called you to serve Jesus Christ in a special way. First Christian has recognized your obvious gifts for ministry and has invited you to use them within the ministry of our fellowship. So Brady, do you trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior, acknowledge him Lord of the world and head of the church? I do. Do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ in the church and God's word to you? Yes, I do. Will you be a minister in obedience to Jesus Christ, offering your whole being as God's servant for Jesus' sake? I will. Will you be a friend among your comrades in ministry, working with them as brothers and sisters? I will. Will you govern the way you live by following the Lord Jesus Christ, loving all mankind and walking according to the gospel as you work for the reconciliation of this world? I will. Will you seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, love, and care after the model of Jesus Christ? Yes, I will. Will you continue to be a good steward of the grace gifts for service, which God has entrusted to you for the edification and maturity of his church to his glory? I will. Zealous in maintaining both the truth of the gospel and the peace of the church, speaking the truth in love. Yes, I will. In congregation, do you, the members of First Christian Church, accept Brady as leader in ministry among us, promising both to labor with him in the ministry of the gospel and to give him due honor and support? Do you agree to encourage him, being sensitive to his varied needs as our brother? As a congregation, do we dedicate ourselves to the ministry that God has given us, realizing that Brady cannot be expected to assume responsibility for that which God has given us to do? Do you promise to honor and support Brady and his family as they position themselves here in Albuquerque, as well as in First Christian Church, and to offer encouragement, support, and love for all of them? Finally, family, do we pledge ourselves to love Brady, not viewing him as an employee, but as a partner in our walk with Jesus Christ. Now I'd ask the current and former elders who are here to come up so that we might pray over Brady formally and get, get this ministry started. Let's pray. Father, we stand amazed. We stand in awe of how you have continually blessed shown us who you are through this process. Father, we lift up Brady right now as he takes lead of this congregation. Show us the right steps. Show us that next step. Give us the courage to take it. Give us the trust, the faith to continue to share. Father God, we thank you for leading us in everything we do. May we honor you this church and through our actions and everything we do here and outside this church. May you call Brady to lead us in places where we're uncomfortable, but direct us to do everything we can to bring your word and grace and healing and love to the people of this church. 
God's call to your call to live as a greater witness in here than you might be able to live in your call as a Christian in this world. Uh, our Heavenly Father, we continue just thanking you for bringing us all to this place to gather together and to read your scriptures and to hear your word reflected in this life that we're in. Lord, we, we ask that you never let us get together to commit to serious conversation that is more than just saying amen or agreeing. And that we, we fulfill everything that you have fulfilled in every life that comes before us. We pray this in your name. Amen. As you are able, would you stand for the reading of God's word? The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. The word of the Lord from Mark chapter 1, you may be seated. Wow, for the last several weeks and months, I have just been feeling the excitement of this church. The Spirit of God is strong among you, and it is radiating from your bodies. It's almost, it's almost tactile. I can almost feel it. And I've been hearing a lot from you of your joy and your hope for the future. And I don't really know what to do with all this excitement. I mean, I'm coming from the university, coming out of the academy after some time away from congregational ministry. I don't know what to do with this. I'm, I'm used to being around professors of theology who smile once per year <laughs> for the family photo, whether they feel like it or not. So I, I just don't know what to do with you. You are a true blessing. And I just want to offer on behalf of my family our thanks for the many ways that you have shown your love through service, through gifts, through gift cards, that red chili pepper, through salsa, through meals, on and on it goes. Most especially, we're thankful for your prayers for each one of us. But I can tell that this is, this is more than emotion. This is more than feeling, it's more than a smile. There's something deeper going on here. There's a lot of thoughts, a lot of planning, a lot of organization, and a whole lot of praying that has gone into this. And I want to take a moment. Would, would all the elder couples stand? All the elders, their wives? This group of people has navigated a transition, and they're always difficult. And these people are worthy of your prayers. They are worthy of your support. And I pray that you are offering them before the Lord daily. Thank you. To the search committee and their families, would you guys stand wherever you are? These people, yes. 
These people serve a lot anyway, and to be on a search committee means extra service. In fact, my first video conference interview with the search committee, uh, they were having to work me in to their work day at the boys' ranch, right? Everything that's done by this group is always extra. It's always more. I want to thank those of you that stood in and preached. Would you please stand if you preached or if you gave communion thoughts during this time? Thank you, thank you. And for the staff, oh my goodness, what an amazing group of staff. Volunteers, part-time, uh, Tim and Jimmy and Sammy and Amanda and Nancy Noonan and Mary Ann and Denny and Jackie and Tim. It goes on and on. And I probably left off five people, who knows, off of that list. Thank you very much, staff, for what you've done. Something special is going on. And I've, I've been hearing about it from you, and it's worthy of paying attention to. The, the things that I've heard are things like, it's been a long time since we've felt this way about First Christian of Albuquerque. We're amazed at how things have come together. Or I haven't felt this much excitement since I was a teenager at First Christian. And the people that were telling me that were not very young. Some were having teenagers come up to me and talk about my sermons or talk about their ideas. I'm just taken aback. This is usually a group that likes to stay to themselves. But they think I'm human. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> and the question that I've had posed to me a few times by leaders is, what do we do with all this energy? What do we do with all this anticipation and excitement? And that's what I want us to deal with today and for the next two weeks, is talk about how we can, I don't know if we need to bottle it up or channel or focus, but I want to give a very clear answer to that question about what do we do with what we're feeling. Because there's going to be some uncertainty too, right? Haven't heard as much about that. It's normal. You know, what's next? What's going to change? Am I going to be included? Am I going to be heard and listened to? In fact, uh, maybe this video will kind of capture the different experiences that we've had. This is a little video of Janice and a healthy young teenage boy. Uh, Janice is a very professional uh, amusement park goer, one can tell. The boy is a, very much a novice. And he is afraid where she is quite excited. And let's, let's watch this video. You won't be able to hear what they say, but I don't think you'll need to.
this video disturbs me. It, I mean, okay, I don't know, who are you in the video? Okay, I'm the boy. My wife Donna, that's, that's Janice. Somehow Janice, somehow Donna, they're able to channel their excitement and fear into utter laughter. Now, I've seen lots of videos like this, but never one where I'm just, like, worrying about the boy who's in peril. Right? Two people, same ride, same moment, two different seats, two completely different experiences of what's going on. Now, I don't know where you're at. I don't know who you see as your connection, but sometimes we need some help. Whether we're excited about something or fearful, we need help strapping in, of knowing how to face and approach what's next. And that's what I want us to do today, is really focus in on strapping in. So if you're excited, I want to praise God for your trust. If you're ambivalent, I want to pray for God to awaken you. If you're uncertain, I want to pray that God will reassure you and be present with you. In fact, one thing I need to do here at this moment is let you know what you can expect of me as a senior minister here. I can promise you that I'm the kind of minister that has given to prayer, that I have surrendered myself and will surrender myself daily on your behalf before God in prayer. You can count on that. I also want you to know that I am laying myself out before God, seeking God in his word, in scripture, to see how people have followed him for the millennia, and to seek a fresh word for us today in this moment. You can count on that. That's the kind of minister that I am. You can also expect me to be one who is listening very carefully to this town of Albuquerque, to this neighborhood, to this church, for the work of God. Because God's been at work here for a very long time. In some ways, there's nothing new that happens today at all. 116 years and much more of work and ministry have been taking place here at First Christian, and you're a part of that. We're all wrapped up in that. And today, as we begin, I wanted to start my ministry by looking at the ministry of Jesus. Since we're all followers of Jesus, how is it that we can mirror and imitate Jesus? And I've turned my attention specifically to the Gospel of Mark. And it's kind of a strange way to begin. It starts with pretty familiar. Uh, we know we're in the right place because we're introduced to Jesus, the King, the Messiah, the Christ. This is who we're after. All this Jewish and Messianic hopefulness is ready to roll with Jesus. Mark also adds, Son of God. Now, not often did you combine any kind of thought of divinity with this king that was coming for the Jews. But he's using a term, and Jesus used a term that was used of the Caesars of the day. They were the only ones that were called the sons of God. All right, well, I'm with you. This is about Jesus. We've got past the title. And I jump into verse 2, and it says, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. Okay, so we start going way back into the Hebrew scriptures, but I, I'm looking for Jesus. I'm trying to find Jesus' ministry. And we go back into Isaiah to this famous passage about a voice 
an unnamed voice in the wilderness, calling out, preparing the way of the Lord. So we're not even to Jesus yet. There's just someone out ahead making the way straight and making the way clear. And it's actually a compilation of a lot of Old Testament passages, not just Isaiah 40, but a little bit of Exodus in there. As the people are told that a messenger or angel is going to go before them to lead them into the promised land. So we get this connection with Moses. Or we could go to Malachi. Malachi pointing to this loud voice in the wilderness that's like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. But it's sounding kind of old to me. There's no Jesus. It's a dusty passage about a desert voice. And I'm looking for Jesus. In verse 2, we get the message, and it really doesn't help me all that much. I don't know about you. The message of this one that's preparing and go before is prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. But wait, wait a second. Where, where, where's the bullet points? Where are the PowerPoint slides? Am I getting this right? The message itself is prepare the way of the Lord? I thought this person was supposed to prepare the way of the Lord. It's a strange beginning to this gospel that we still don't have Jesus. We just have this voice of a promise that's coming. Finally, in verse 4, we get at least a name. It's brought into the contemporary times of the people who read the gospel of Mark. That it's John the baptizer who's this voice. John, the one that's known by what he does. He baptizes them into this baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of losing some excitement here. Where's Jesus? Where is all of this going? Well, the people are pretty excited. Did you notice that the whole Judean countryside is going out to hear this voice and be baptized into this baptism? That all the people from Jerusalem, so including those non-smiling ones from the temple and those Pharisees, they're coming out to hear this voice. They're excited. You know, when I first started talking with First Christian, I was asking about who you were. I was asking about what your purpose is. And the leaders at that time were in the process of rebranding, of looking at the mission statement, of looking at the website, and how they communicated to the outside world. And the mission statement of the church is bring people to Jesus, right? It's put front and center. In fact, the leaders, as they looked at that mission statement, said, no, that, that's, that's still what we're about. That's still who we are, bringing people to Jesus. Well, bringing that into comparison with John the Baptist, bringing people to Jesus with John the Baptist's message that's on the shoulders of Isaiah, preparing the way for the Lord, clearing out obstacles for the Lord to come. That sounds a lot the same to me, that this mission is similar about bringing Jesus. Well, back to this baptism, a baptism of repentance. We could go on and on about uh, a Greek word for baptizo that's, that sounds like our English word because it's been transliterated. Many of you, if you've been around Christians much at all, have heard about baptism. 
this acknowledged entry point in, a dipping or a plunging in water. Well, this is what John does, is put people down into the full reality of who God is. It is a change of who they are, being surrounded in God. And it's connected to repentance. Christians don't talk about repentance too much, or maybe we do, and it's not in the best way. Repentance, without doing a long word study of shuv and teshuva and metanoia and all these words, that when we got to the end of it, do you know what it would mean? Turn around. Change your mind. Go from going one direction to another direction. That's what we would have. So John calls people to repent. Now this word repent, with Christians and TV preachers and billboards, has something of a bad rap. And I think that's probably our fault, because Christians have all the subtlety of using a baseball bat to the teeth of their hearers. Repent! And you insert some heinous evil, some sin, and the person may or may not even see that as evil at this point. So I could scream and yell till I'm blue in the face about sin X, Y, and Z, but if they don't acknowledge that, then they don't care what I have to say. So here's what I want to do. I want to, to give baptism a little cleansing wash, a little, uh, not baptism, give repentance a little bit of a baptism, to wash it up, to let it stand on its own, rather than uh, leaving it out to flail on its own, let's, let's clean it up, because this kind of repentance is a directional change from one direction to another. Donna and Nathan and I are the drivers in the family. Being in a new town, we're becoming more and more familiar with our Apple Maps and our Google Maps. And by more familiar, I mean every time we're in the car. How do we get to where we're going? And you know how this works. You put the address in and you take off. And you know even where I'm going, right? Route the map for you. If you, you can see different ways you can go. But if you choose your course and you get off course, what does it do? Recalculating, recalibrating, rerouting. Take a U-turn here. It, in fact, it said it to me yesterday. You turn here. There was, usually when it says you turn, you know you've really gone astray because you can't go on another road. Well, one thing that it doesn't say is, are you stupid? I mean, maybe some have reprogrammed theirs to do that. I don't know. It just simply reroutes and says, okay, you've missed your first chance to get the most direct route, but there are other options. And so a change is demanded of you. Do you see the difference there? A lot of times with repentance, we beat ourselves up with guilt and with negativity. And I'm calling for us to think about repentance today in a little different way, to think about it as a new direction, a turning away from so that we can turn to something new, turning to the way of Christ. It's not really all that strange of a concept either. Paul does this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the very end. You remember 13 is the passage on love, this beautiful, gritty passage on love. 
Well, at the, at the end of it, at the end of chapter 12, Paul is saying, choose the, the greater gift. And he says, a more excellent way. Same word, a more excellent way, which is love. So when we talk about the way that we're in, when we're choosing good, we are choosing to follow the way of Christ, which is the way of love. Not fluffy, it's gritty, it's determined, and it challenges us to be different. We're turning from our self-reliance. We are turning from inertia to Christ. We're turning from even choices of evil to follow the way of Christ. Perhaps if Christians became better at painting a more glorious picture of the way that is ahead of us, instead of worrying about what everyone is doing that's wrong, focusing on the don'ts, maybe people would hear our message. Hang with me on that one. A lot of times we're focused in on telling them, don't do this, don't do that, don't think this way. Then we are about being very explicit about what the way of love looks like. During this time of transition, during this time of anticipation, I'm calling us in the spirit of John the Baptist to repent, to turn our attention fully and completely onto God to put our focus on every aspect of our life on God. This preparing the way gets really close to home when we think about how our lives prepare the way for the Lord. Now, there are doctors and nurses. There are people in engineering. There are people in HR and administration. And we all have different skills and different tasks that we have to do. We have bosses and customers to appease. One thing that we sometimes do is say, well, I'm a Christian nurse or I'm a Christian engineer. That's a good thing. I'm inviting us to think about this at a little deeper level and think about how my life as a minister or as an engineer or a nurse or whatever prepares people to meet God. What are the things that I do that make them not want anything at all to do with God? How do I distract and confuse and frustrate people's attempts to find God? You see, sometimes we get caught up in parenting or in our jobs with just problem solving and troubleshooting and correcting, and we lose sight of what our, what our way is, the map that we're following, following in the way of Jesus Christ, and we forget Maybe it's not, I'm not just calling us to like start a Bible study at our workplace or a prayer group. As good as those things are, I'm wanting us a step before to be the kind of people that say, that's a way that I want to walk in. We're preparing the way for people to see the Shekinah glory of God. There are big challenges to this. The biggest one for me, I don't know if it's for you, is acknowledging that I actually need to repent. I'm a good person. I do a lot of good things. Perhaps you're in the same boat too. People might recognize you as a leader at First Christian for the ways that you give of your time and of your money, the ways that you serve. Well, there's a lot that I'm blind to. There's a lot that I hide that is, is hidden, right? It's not seen. And I, like everyone, 
in any moment of my life, I'm in a place of repentance where it is right on track for me to turn and say, I need to put my attention upon God. I get scared when I look at Amos chapter 4. In Amos chapter 4, God talks about a group of people that are very good at going to temple, who are very good at bringing their sacrifices. And God's trying to get their attention. He said, I sent you no rain, and you haven't turned to me. I sent disease. I sent your children into battle, but you don't turn to me. I'm tired of your sacrifices, and I'm tired of your temple worship because it's hiding transgressions. It's hiding an evil way of living. That terrifies me because I realize that I protect things, that I'm not ready to turn all the way over to God. Repentance is something that all of us are needing. And that's the challenge, is can I get over the admission, the need to repent? Another one is just the discomfort of what a new direction means, because it literally is a new direction. When I go on a hike, like you've gone on a hike, I'm usually keeping track of what things look like behind me. But more often than not, when it's a new hike and you turn around to go back, it still looks completely different. It takes some effort to make sure you're getting the right path, the right fork, all the way back. There's just some discomfort when you admit that you are on a new path. Let me tell you, you're going in the safety of God. God's not one that's prone to be angry for a long time. God's going to be with us. When we think about how we prepare ourselves, how we strap ourselves in for what's next. I'm inviting us to prepare ourselves by repenting, by preparing the way for the Lord. And that starts with me, with my body, my mind, my way of living in this world, not other people. If there are expectations on us, it's for us to remove the things that distract and confuse other people. So that as we turn toward God, others begin to see that that's a path that they want to be on. Is that a strange start? Yes, it's a strange start to Jesus' ministry, to hear about this preparing one. But it's a start that we're all invited into of bringing people to Jesus. As we close, I want to welcome guests. If you are here for the first time or if you haven't been here very much, so am I. Actually, you know, we visited a couple times this summer. Two weeks ago, we placed our membership, and look what happened. <laughs> if you're looking for a place to grow with people, First Christian Church is a place where we're trying to grow big people, big people that are turned toward God. If you're willing to partner with us and to know that we don't have it all together, to know that we have a long way to grow, we want you to come with us. As we continue in worship and as we, even as we leave, you're going to find people that are available to you for prayer. And I'm going to be around. I'll be in the center here. I I'm, I'm welcome you to visit with me. I thank you for your work. I thank you for your desire to repent. I thank you for your desire to prepare the way the Lord. God, please give us the strength to be the kind of people that when others see us, they glorify you 
and they want to follow you. Through Jesus, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.